So, wait, what did that mean? How can I really use it? So what does that mean? Yeah, I'm just trying to understand. But how do I do that every day? Can you just help me understand So what does that even mean? Hi, uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Family Room Conversations. I'm Zach. And I'm Gary. We're excited to be with you again today. We are. We have been in a really exciting sermon series, I think, where we've been talking about... Um, well, judging accountability, revival, um, and how we are to act as the church. And what is the, I think we talked about the irreducible minimum of right. being a church member. Uh, what are the core values that we're supposed to explain? And then what's all the extra stuff on top of that? Um, I loved this week's sermon. We talked about legalism. There was some things that really hit home for me. Um, how how did you think that went? Did you, did you get any feedback about the sermon or... Did yeah, you know uh, I, I've received many emails and phone calls and just conversations with people uh, of all ages, of all uh, levels of faith, from you in the faith to seasoned believers who all said, you know, your perspective and what Paul said was something they'd never really thought about. Um, they, they'd all kind of categorized those that the Bible explicitly states and where those kind of discussion and debate where the Bible gives uh, wisdom and insight, but doesn't con conclusively come out and say, you can't do this. And they'd always lumped them together. Mm -hmm. And they'd never seen that Paul separated them out. Say, okay, there are clear things in the scriptures. Don't do this or do this. And the other ones where, yeah, it's up to the spirit's leading and personal convictions and to separate the two out. Right. Yeah. Right. And didn't we say, I was just thought about this. We talked a couple weeks ago about the, uh, who are you to judge someone else's servant, right? right? That's right. that's the same idea. We're all the Lord's servant and we're all we're all seeking service of, of Jesus. We are that that servant. And they are, you know, the people we come into contact with, especially in the church, they are also that servant. And who sure. are we to judge their relationship with the master? Well, and the other part to it as well is so who am I to bring something to your attention that Jesus himself who knows all things hasn't brought to your attention. Right. Because at the end of the day, I'm your co laborer and you're a servant of his. So yeah. if it's an issue, he's going to bring it to your attention. Um, if it's an issue of mine, it may not be something that needs to be addressed right now. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I think that's wonderful. I really love this, this week's sermon. And there's a couple things that I've, I've got that I thought would be fun to talk about things that I, I was really challenged by. I just got to thinking about, you know, this week we talked a lot about legalism. That was kind of the core bit of the sermon was, you know, how, how do we engage with strictures with scripture as as you know legalistic people? What do we need to call back? What do we need to prune? What is good and, and right and proper? But I just kind of I don't know. I got to thinking. I think the conversation needs to be had. Why are we so drawn? Some of us, and maybe not all of us, for sure. But why are we so drawn to legalistic tendencies with scripture? Well, uh, many discussions happen about this topic, but I would say the two areas are number one, legalism is easy. It's easy to have a list of rules or guidelines. In fact, the Ten Commandments were given to God's people as they left Egypt because all they had known for 400 years was slavery. They had masters telling them when to get up, mm. when to eat, and when to go to bed. They had no, no need to function other than just to have people telling them what to do. So when they left Egypt, God said, here's 10 things. I'm not going to make it complicated. Here are 10 principles to guide you as you leave slavery, and you have no bearing. And so again, you know, legalism's easy. It, it's a real, real simple thing. Um, the other part is that legalism is also um, reflects what I would say spiritual immaturity, kind of like a young child yearns for a very 
strict boundaries. Right, check and crave structure. Right, right, right. And so as you age, you can get more philosophical <clears throat> where some of those boundaries get a little more loose. Um, and the same thing's true in spiritual. If you're spiritually immature, yeah, you're pretty much cut and dry on things. And as you grow in your faith, you realize uh, there's a little less black and white, you know, this distinct variations and a lot of gray. I mean, the Bible is very defined about some areas, but spirit-led on the others. And that's where people, I think, often get nervous. Yeah, right. I hear that. that makes me think about the uh, the Mishnah that, that Pharisees set up, right? This, right? this group of rules. I'm actually surprised. I keep thinking, like, that's got to come up. Um, the Mishnah was this set of rules that was built over years and years and years. Sure. Um, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were extra biblical. They, they didn't come directly from what they believed, you know, the Torah, the Mosaic right. law. Um, but they were, it was things like, don't, you know, if your donkey breaks his leg on the Sabbath, you have to leave him there. It was right. just things to help. And the purpose of that was, well, it was to help, right? It came from a good spot. We want to help people sure. keep the Sabbath. We want to help largely illiterate people keep the Sabbath. Or we want to help them keep the Mosaic law. Um but we're going to create all these extra things, and it almost became, you know, just as much of a judgy thing if you broke some of the those extra laws that mm-hmm. didn't come from Scripture right. as as if you did. You break some of Moses's laws, some of the Ten Commandments, um, and and most rules start for good reasons. Yeah. And what happens is they become permanent, and that's when they become something bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like starting church at eleven o'clock in the morning. A lot of people would say you got to do that. Well, initially it started for agricultural reasons for milking cows, mm-hmm. but ultimately it became, an, uh, you got to have church at 11 and, and it became, well, are you milking cows? <laughs> no, not anymore. I got my milk out of the fridge. Okay. So for you, 11 o'clock r- worship is irrelevant. It could, it could be any time, but that's, you know, it starts great, but ultimately it lingers for all the wrong reasons. Right. Well, and that's really the thing is that those things still exist, not in the same form, right? We don't talk about donkeys really at all, sure. especially in the church now, but uh, you know, we would say that that set of rules was abolished with with Jesus, with you know the creation of this new, not a new religion, but the, the fulfillment of Judaism, fulfillment. right? There Christianity. Um, but we've just continued to crave that extra structure. We've sure. continued to add those extra rules onto things, and I think those are some of where we get those quarrelsome issues. I don't know. It's just something I thought about when you were talking. Well, anybody typically yearns for what they can see. You know, like, um, you know, we have church buildings. Well, in the book of Acts, there was no church building. Um, you know, and, and we, we, we typically like uh, people call uh, certain people priest. Well, we don't need a priest because we have a high priest Christ. He's our access to God the Father. Mm-hmm. And so typically what you'll find, a lot of people run to the Old Testament, drag a concept from the Old Testament, and bring it to the New Testament and uh, try to say, yeah, this is this is relevant now. And you're like, no, because Christ is actually, he's the church. We are the body of Christ. He's our, our priest. At the end of the day, what you do is remove Jesus and replace him with a building, hmm. replace him with a, a person. And Jesus is like, no, I want to be preemptive in all things. And when we do that, we don't need a building. We don't need a person. We've got him. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Another thing I thought about, um, I, I can't remember if we said this in last week's podcast or it was maybe before we hit record or something, um, but we talked about how it's, well, in the sermon, you talked about agreeing to disagree and how mm-hmm. it's so important to do that. And I think you said that it was a, a, a very valuable skill in people to, sure. to be able to disagree. And just something I've thought about was that it, more than that, it's probably becoming an incredibly necessary skill um, to learn how to 
engage with people and uh, that you don't agree with on contestable issues, like Paul would say. So let's talk about that practically. How do you do that? How do you agree to disagree with somebody? And how do I know myself well enough to know when is the time to start doing that? Well, there's a book that I think every American ought to read. And I mentioned it at the first service. I didn't mention it the other two on Sunday. But there's a book by John F. Kennedy called Profiles of Courage um, that I think every American ought to read. It was written in 1959. Um, and what it talks about is the American political scene during the years of slavery, the debates, mm-hmm. the discussions. If there's ever been an issue where there was great debate, it was slavery. It divided a nation, led us to war. Right. Um, and the idea is that so if, if you and I disagree to try to find areas of agreement and then agree, okay, we agree on 12 things, and we disagree on two. And the 12 things will allow our relationship to continue while being our, our discussions on the other two take place. Yeah. Um, and and the, the book chronicles beautifully different senators and, and congressmen from different states, obviously on either side of the slavery issue, and, the, and the, how there was respect for one another as a person, as a leader, and yet a very, very impassioned disagreement over the issue of slavery. And that's what is just non-existent in our culture. And it is, you know, we're going to agree on these 14 things, but there's three we disagree on. And in our culture, it kind of goes this way. Zach, if you don't agree with me, you must hate me. Mm. And again, that's like a child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the agreeing to disagree is mature, and it helps us to build bridges where there's agreement and have debate where there's not. Yeah. Yeah. That that's such a I mean, that that's so powerful a sentence. But I I know when I feel that way, it's not at all like a cognitive thing. Sure, it's, it's certainly not in the front of my mind. It, it's always like a oh gosh, I've done something wrong that sure. made me disagreeable. Sure. I, you know, I I have that visceral reaction of I'm not good enough to to be agreeable. Right, um, and and I usually the, the and I think all of us do. We kind of lash out with that feeling, um, that and that becomes quarrelsome, right? That becomes the, the point of argument about an issue that may not be that big. So I, I don't know. The next thing I wonder is like, why, why are we so passionate about those things? Why is it so difficult to agree to disagree on a lot of things? Well, I think for most of us, uh, you know, we're raised in a um, talk radio culture, ra- raised in a time where everybody feels the need to share on social media their opinion, their perspective. And, and what's beautiful, again, I hate to keep going back to Doc, uh, President Kennedy's Go book, but it's so well written it because at there they're trying to get at the truth. Mm-hmm. What, is, what, what, what can we, how can we fix this issue of slavery? What, what's the solution? And our modern day is really not about the truth. It's about my truth or your truth. Mm-hmm. I'm really not interested in the truth. I really want you to believe my truth. And that's where the discussion is. And there's actually just a lot of pride there where there's the assumption on my behalf now, because I believe it, I'm right. Because you don't, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. We forget the reality that could be that you're wrong and I'm wrong, and the answer is somewhere in the middle. Right. And you don't really hear anyone talk about that anymore. Right. Or even in the church that, you know, Jesus is leading me this way and Jesus is leading you this way, and right. he has his own purpose for that, and we don't have to know what it is. Right, right. And, and understand, uh, you know, if we get it wrong, like if you get something wrong or I get something wrong, and I'm sincerely walking with the Lord, ultimately he'll bring me back around. I mean, God does sometimes allow detours, but at the end he brings us back around to where we need to be if we're submissive or following him. Yeah, that's really the test, isn't it? Right. You know, right. am I really engaging with the Lord? Right. And that's where this past weekend, I mean, the, the, the message was, 
If you're a weak believer, meaning you typically bring your rules, your legalism into your faith, it's hard for you to love people. I mean, it, it, because you're more rules-oriented. And truth be known, you probably don't care for yourself much either because you've got a checklist going on. Really? Um, and so people like that, Paul, I love it because he asked a question like, who are you to judge? I mean, you know, if my son is walking with them and everything's okay, who are you? And then number two, don't be fearful that somehow anyone gets away with anything. At the end of the day, every person will be judged for their life. Yeah. So no one gets away with anything. If that's your motivation, fear, I'm, I'm scared Zach might get away with something, so I'm going to confront him. You don't have to be that way because at the end of the day, God will take care of all of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's well. And speaking of judging, something I was reading through with, in Romans thirteen, along with you, we were talking about, um, you know, not quarreling. Right, the hope is that first, not quarreling with the weaker among you over contestable issues. And it just led me back to a couple of weeks ago. We talked about judging, and I'm going to go ahead and split off from that sure. word because that's such a hot word. Um, but condemnation, judging, right? Somebody out of the faith, somebody that you're just, you know, trying to make yourself better that versus what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the kind of accountability judging, the kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, people between the faith, your brothers and sisters in Christ. How, uh, I, I, I totally understand that the accountability thing is, is what we're striving for and the condemnation thing is the stuff to run away from. Mm-hmm. But how does that fall in line with Paul's, verse, right, that he, he spoke there, that to, to not quarrel with people over quarrelsome issues, when he also tells us earlier to keep each other accountable toward, well, toward Jesus. Well, and the accountability over obvious ones, like accountability over adultery or lust or lying or hatred or in any of those, that's a different type of accountability than over what, what in the NIV says, disputable matters. Mm. If it's an obvious thing, I mean, you know, I'm just walking with the Spirit and affirming whatever the issue is I'm bringing to your attention because um, God's Word clearly states you shouldn't lie. You're lying. I know you're lying. I'm bringing it to your attention. That's that's a different accountability because you're glaringly wrong because mm-hmm. it is clear you're doing something the Bible says don't do. But for disputable matters, that's another thing because the Spirit of God knows that you might have a certain belief about a disputable matter, you know, going fishing on Sunday or playing golf on Sunday or, you know, celebrating Halloween, whatever it might be. And God knows as time passes somewhere down the road, your conviction might change in some way. And and so what that issue is more for me, like I'm going to actually interrupt what God's Spirit's going to do later mm. by frustrating you now. And that's where I think it's so important, especially in disputable matters, that I, when I come before you, I don't come to confront, but to discuss and, 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 and kind of break down our perspectives so that if we do agree to disagree, we can agree to disagree and we know our areas of agreement and areas of disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, the, the bottom line of the series is, do I love you? Do I care for you? Right. Who's it about? Yeah. Yeah. Am I loving God and loving you by what I'm doing? And if I'm trying to be right, yeah, that's not about love. Right. Hmm? Right. I, I mean, here's the thing I always think about. Jesus knew all things. And there's ever been a guy who could have been always right. It was him. But there were times he kept his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. Yeah. He was yeah. private, like you were talking right. about earlier. Right. I love that. Well, that's that's wonderful. Is there anything you wanted to, to hit on with this week's service that, that you wanted to? Well, no. I mean, we had some great worship. and, and uh, But this past Saturday night, we did our first ever date night live. Um, and we had a full house 
and everybody had a great, great time. And so they were telling everyone else about it. So this upcoming Saturday night, we're having Date Date Night Live round two, and uh, it's full again. So we're real excited. A bunch of amazing uh, people are helping us have a having a blast. It's a lot of fun. Just trying to encourage people in their dating, marriage, relationships. And uh, so just just excited for what God's doing among the families of our church. And, and, and the cool part, this weekend, there's like five coming from the community who don't even come to church here. That's really exciting. So we're thrilled about that as well. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, you are listening or watching and you uh, have not had a chance to get involved with Date Night Live this year, we hope that we'll be involved with you next year and, and we'll get to see you then. And if you are, we're excited to see you this next weekend. Yeah. Um, and I would like to take this moment to remind you that if you uh, have any questions, if you have any comments or things that you thought, ah, I didn't really get that, explain this more, any of those kind of kind of things, please leave them in the comment sections of the videos that you see, of this video, of this podcast, send us an email, call, text, send us a letter within an envelope, whatever you can do. There are plenty of ways to get in touch with us, and we look for all of them during the week. Um, That's all I can think of. I'm really excited. Yeah. How about I close this out in prayer? That'd be wonderful. Father, we're thankful for your guidance in our lives and for the way that you love us. And and Lord, you've demonstrated to us what you ask us to do to others, that we are to love them as you loved us. And Father, guide us as we continue walking through this series together of of explaining and experiencing revival and revival in the sense of loving you and loving people more and more every day. And Father, we're thankful again for your just unimaginable love for us, unexplainable, but God, we're so grateful for it. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Have a good week. Yeah, take care.